What is all this talk about the end of the world? What does Jesus coming have to do with any of that? And if he is coming, how will he come? And will his coming be a secret that only a select few know? We'll dig deep into the prophecy of the second coming of Jesus next on Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper. Today, we're going to continue looking at the second coming of Jesus. And as we enter into this study, I want us to pray and ask God's blessing upon our looking at this prophecy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to study your word. And now as we study your word, open our eyes that we might see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My dear friends, I do hope that you've been enjoying unlocking Bible prophecies, digging deeper. I want to encourage you right now to subscribe to this YouTube channel here at Adventist World Radio. Click that subscribe button and don't forget to click the little bell next to it that you can be notified anytime we upload a video that will uplift your heart and draw you nearer to Jesus Christ. You know, as we think about the second coming and we think about the warning of the second coming, we think about Jesus' counsel on the second coming. Jesus said to watch and be ready. The question I have is, are we possibly watching for the wrong things? You know, the humpback whale is one of the most majestic creatures on all the earth. It is massive in size and amazing in its beauty. In fact, it's almost unimaginable that an animal that is 15 meters, almost 50 feet long, and weighs over 30 tons can breach the water fully in display of its magnificent power. I've had the opportunity to see these animals right with my own very eyes. Now this mammal, the humpback whale, has a heart that weighs around 200 kilograms, almost 400 pounds, and it eats during the feeding season 2,000 to 2,500 kilograms of plankton, 5,000 pounds of plankton, krill, and other small fish every single day. Now, you can find whale watching tours all around the world. But on December the 3rd, 2012, something very interesting happened. Captain Jerry Smythe of the Aqua Adventures Dive Center in Baltimore, West Cork, Ireland, led a group of people on a tour to see this king of the sea. They were aboard the Wave Chieftain, and they were pursuing a humpback whale. And as the boat stopped, all the people were directed to look to the starboard side of the ship. They looked, and they intently waited for the telltale signs that they were right in the area. 
They gazed, looking for the footprint left by the whale, waiting for the whale to surface. But then, in the now famous picture, photographer Simon Dugan captured a humpback whale breaching. But everyone on the wave chieftain had their backs to the action. They were in the right place, but they were looking the wrong way. They were looking on the wrong side of the boat. Now, friends, as we watch for Jesus and his soon return, are we watching in the right direction? Do we know how Jesus will return? Or are we looking in all the wrong places? You know, throughout history, civilizations have been concerned with the very issue of immortality. Each culture throughout time seemed to have a quest for immortality. The ancient Egyptians, the pyramids, they were built to immortalize the Pharaoh's pursuit of immortality. The ancient Babylonians sought after immortality. The Romans, they sought after immortality. The Incas and the Mayans and their great pyramids were all buildings in a quest for immortality. And you know, this shouldn't come as a surprise to any of us. In the book of Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, he wrote these words in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. You see, man, when man was created, he was created with a natural desire to live forever because that is how man was designed, to live forever. However, throughout the course of history, humanity has looked in all the wrong places seeking after that immortality. And friends, sadly, even today, there are many Christians that are looking in the wrong direction. Today we are going to look at the prophecy of Jesus' return. And we will study the manner in which Jesus will return. Now you know the signs that we are to watch for. We've been studying those signs over the last several weeks. Now if you've missed any episodes of Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper, you can go to www.awr.org forward slash Bible, and there you can find a link to all the archived episodes. Now, along with that, there is a link to our master class where you also can ask a question or make a prayer request. And most importantly, you can register to be notified of all upcoming events with Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper, and you will receive a special invitation to become a part of the family in our Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper Facebook group. Now, as we look at the second coming of Jesus and the manner in which he will return, we're going to begin in a very descriptive passage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 
15, beginning in verse 51, the Bible gives us a vivid picture of the second coming. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. You know, this passage says that the corruptible must put on or will put on incorruption. Now, literally in the original Greek, that word there means perishable. And we use the word perishable often in the context of food. Perishable and non-perishable food. Perishable food is that food which can spoil easily. Non-perishable foods are those foods that are canned and packaged and will seemingly last forever. Now, right now, the Bible indicates that you and I were perishable goods. Now, it may be a bit of a morbid thought, but as soon as we are born, we begin to die because we're perishable. This corruptible, this, this mortal, will at the time of Jesus' second coming put on incorruption and put on immortality, that immortality which from ancient times civilizations have been striving to achieve will be ours as a gift from Jesus Christ. No longer will we be perishable, but Jesus will make us imperishable. Jesus is coming again to set up a kingdom of imperishable goods, imperishable people. He created us originally to last forever. But because of sin, we are bound by the consequence of death. But Jesus, Jesus died to free us from that consequence. And when he comes again, that will be fully realized in his kingdom. And his people will last forever. Now, after that twinkling of an eye, after that last trumpet, after we have put on immortality, then what happens? Well, we will get to see ourselves for what Jesus really meant. He said this in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. Where Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus has prepared a wonderful place. A wonderful place where we will live with him forever. And that wonderful place is described in even more vivid detail in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verses 18 
to 21. The construction of its wall, speaking of the new Jerusalem, speaking of the place that Jesus has prepared for us. The construction of its wall was of jasper and the city was of pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. My dear friends, heaven will be a place of unparalleled beauty. This city and the inhabitants within will last forever. You know, God has revealed this thrilling end-time plan in his word He wants us to be watching. He wants us to be looking in the right direction. He doesn't want us to miss this beautiful and peaceful place. Jesus desires that we would see with clear eyes and not be deceived. So let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the Bible and with the eyes of our hearts and our minds open, let us discover how this will take place. So how then, how will Christ return and take us to the most magnificent city, that city that was described in Revelation 21? Jesus has prepared a wonderful place for us, and it is described by the Apostle John in Revelation, the 21st chapter, beginning in verse 18. Revelation 21, 18 to 21. The Bible says the construction of its wall was of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. And then John tells us that there are 12 foundations of the city and each of them made up of different types of precious stones. And then he goes on in verse 21 to say this. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. My dear friends, it will be a place of unparalleled beauty. The city and its inhabitants will last forever. God has revealed this thrilling end time plan in his word. And he wants us to be watching in the right direction. He doesn't want us to miss the beautiful and peaceful place that he has prepared. Jesus desires that we would see with clear eyes and not be deceived. So let's go to the Bible with our eyes open with our hearts and minds open and discover how the second coming of Jesus will take place. First, it will be a literal event. 
the book of Luke, chapter 17, and verse 24 describes it this way. Luke 17, 24. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. The coming of Jesus is described as lightning. Now, my dear friends, lightning is real. It flashes and it streaks across the sky and people see it. In fact, lightning can be so bright that even with your eyes closed, you know that lightning has flashed. The book of Acts tells us more about the second coming in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Now when he, Jesus, had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, friends, Jesus did not vanish from them, but he ascended to heaven. The disciples saw him with their eyes. Then two heavenly beings taught them that the second coming of Jesus will resemble his ascension to heaven. A real Jesus ascended to a real heaven, and a real Jesus Christ will descend at his second coming now, some have talked of Jesus' second coming merely being a spiritual coming, but the Bible teaches that a real Jesus literally ascended up into heaven and that a real Jesus will literally descend from heaven through the atmosphere to this very planet we call home. And just as Jesus' second coming will be a literal event, it will also be a visible event. John describes this visible event once again in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. The Bible says this, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so Amen. The passage clearly states, how many eyes will see him? The passage is clear that every eye will see him. You see, his coming is not just to be seen by believers, but all the inhabitants of the entire earth will observe his coming. It is a literal event and it is a visible event. Jesus himself describing his second coming in Matthew chapter 24 said these words. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 30. The Bible says this. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
All the tribes of the earth is a description of the entire population of the earth. Everyone will see the coming of Jesus because it is a literal and a visible event. But in addition to being literal and visible, the Bible is quite clear that his coming will also be an audible event. The Apostle Paul outlined the second coming of Jesus in his first letter to the Thessalonians. There in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Paul here continues the theme of a literal and visible event. But then he supplies the additional information that the second coming will be an audible event. The voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God are not silent mediums of sound. The sound of the second coming will reverberate all through the earth. You'll remember from the first passage that we looked at today in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it also emphasizes the audible nature of Christ's return. It says this, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. God's trumpet will sound. I don't think that that will be any sort of silent trumpet. The mighty sound of God's trumpet will raise the dead from their sleep and their slumber. Christ's coming will be a literal event. Christ's coming will be a visible event. Christ's coming will be an audible event. And Christ's coming will most certainly be a glorious event. The book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27 describe this glory event, this glorious, glorious event. It says this, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works. In Revelation 19, Jesus is described in his glorious appearance with these words. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. In verse 13, in verse 13 it continues, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, 
white and clean, followed him on white horses. My dear friends, that there is a real Christ coming in the real sky. This real Christ is coming to resurrect the dead. My dear friends, think about how glorious that day will be. You know, I had a friend of mine who was moving to a new area and one of the homes that they were considering sat directly across a cemetery. And as the family discussed which home that they would purchase, the children didn't like the idea of a cemetery being across the street. And my pastor friend, in an attempt to convince his children that this was the best house, said to his kids, when Jesus comes again, you'll have front row seats to the greatest and most glorious event in all of history. My friends, what will it be like on that day when Jesus reunites families? Have you lost a loved one? Maybe you've lost your parents. Maybe even you've lost a spouse. Maybe you've lost a son. Maybe you've lost a daughter. Maybe you've lost a little baby. The Bible tells us that Jesus is literally coming. He's visibly coming. He is audibly coming. And he is coming in glory. And when he comes in glory, he will reunite you with those loved ones. He will reunite you with those loved ones who have put their faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ. He will reunite you with that little baby. He will reunite you with that son or daughter. He will reunite you with that father, that mother, that husband, that wife. Those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus will be reunited. And my question, friend, why not put your trust and faith fully in Jesus today? In addition to the visible, literal, audible, and glorious nature of Jesus' return, Jesus' second coming will be a climactic event. Jesus makes this promise once again in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. He says this, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The second coming rewards each individual for the life they've lived. It is the climax of human history. There will be some groups that will be thrilled by his return. But there were others, there will be others who will not be as thrilled. Revelation 6 gives vivid detail. Revelation chapter 6, verses 15 to 17. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every flea man, free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, 
fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? My dear friends, no one needs to be a part No one needs to be a part of that group that trembles at the second coming of Christ. Jesus Christ has made the provision for each of us to be able to stand. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24 tells us, for by faith you stand. We stand by faith. Faith in what? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 gives us this insight. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are able to stand by faith in the grace of Christ. We must stop trusting in ourselves, stop trusting in others, stop trusting in pastors and priests, in the religion of our parents. We must trust fully In Jesus, he has made the way for us. He says himself, he is the way. Jesus is on our side. He's not out to get us. He wants to receive us. He wants to take us to the place that he has prepared. He's coming to take us home to be with him. And when he comes, the Bible is clear. His coming will be literal. His coming will be visible. His coming will be audible. His coming will be glorious. And his coming will be climactic. But I know some of you watching right now might be wondering, Pastor Holland, I thought I heard that Jesus is coming in secret. You know, I think it's called the secret rapture. How does that all fit into what you're saying? My dear friends, there in fact have been some that said that the Bible depicts Jesus coming in secret. And what they will say is that the Bible says that Jesus is coming as a thief, therefore he's coming in secret. And they cite from Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36 to demonstrate that. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. And then verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Now, we just read from the Bible. Those texts do not seem to be describing the manner of Jesus coming as being secretive. These texts seem to be referring to time as evidenced by the usage of the words day and hour. The timing of Jesus' return will be a secret. No man knows the day or the hour, but not the way in which he comes. In fact, Matthew 24, 44 adds this clarification. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour 
you do not expect. This reference here is clearly a reference to timing, not manner. But I want you to please notice another reference to Jesus coming as a thief. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. And this is what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now, did you hear that? In the same verse that describes Jesus coming as a thief, in that same context, it says there will be a great noise and fire, both audible and visible attributes. My dear friends, the second coming is a surprise for those that are unprepared. Often, those who believe the secret rapture teach that the church will be raptured or removed before the tribulation. However, this is a bit problematic because Revelation, the 16th chapter, and verse 15, which also describes the second coming of Jesus as a thief, says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. You see, my dear friends, the second coming of Jesus here described in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15 comes after the first six plagues. And then it says, behold, I'm coming as a thief. My dear friends, Jesus coming as a thief surprises those who have not daily prepared for the day that he's coming. But some ask, well, what about the expression one taken and the other left? Well, my friends here at Unlocking Bible Prophecies, Digging Deeper, sponsored by Adventist World Radio, my dear friends, we are committed to looking at the Bible and seeing what the Bible itself says. So let's look at the passage. Luke, the 17th chapter, and verse 36. What does the Bible say? I believe we have ample evidence already that the Bible is quite clear that Jesus' coming will not be a secret. But what does Luke 17 and verse 36 say? Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. Now, let's remember the context. In just the few verses previous, Jesus said this in verses 26 and 28. In verse 26, it says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also in the days, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. And then verse 28, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. So let me ask you a question. You've read the Bible, or you've at least heard some of the stories of the Bible? Was the global flood of Noah's day a secret? 
How about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? Was that a secret? No, each of these communities had been thoroughly warned and the events that happened were literal, they were visible, they were audible, they were climactic. The issue of one taken and one left lets us know that before the coming of Jesus, there will only be two classes of people, the saved and the lost. My dear friends, the second coming of Jesus is a very serious topic. There will be no additional chance. Right now, we are living in our time to decide. There is no second opportunity. This is one of the greatest failures of the teaching of the secret rapture. Friends, now is the time. Today is the day to get serious. Paul admonishes us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Friends, our eternal destiny is being settled right now by the choices we make day by day. Jesus' second coming will be a literal event. It will be a visible event. It will be an audible event. It will be a glorious event. And it will be a climactic event. But equally important to all that, the second coming of Jesus will be a joyous event. Paul's encouraging words are found in Titus 2, 13. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus is the only real hope that we have in this hopeless, pitiful, helpless world. His second coming will make us new. His second coming will reunite us with long lost family members. And we will be able to cry the words of Isaiah 25, 9. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. My dear friends, Jesus, he desires one thing. He desires you to be his friend. He wants you to be in his kingdom. He is coming again to take you home. He has made every provision for you to be there. He wants you to be there. He has given us the signs of his return. He has told us exactly the manner of his return. And today, the question is very simple. Why not commit your life to him that you would be ready on that day? Maybe you're sitting. Maybe you're sitting and watching on your computer. Maybe you're watching on your smart TV. Maybe you're watching on your phone. Maybe you're watching on some type of device. And you see that Jesus is coming soon and you've been moved. You've been moved by the message today. You are moved because you know that you have lived your life trying to do things on your own. You've lived your life doing things your way. Maybe you're sensing today the call 
to come to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're hurting today because life has dealt you a very difficult situation. Jesus is calling out to you. He's calling for you to come. In Zechariah 1.3, the Lord says, return to me and I'll return to you. My dear friend, you haven't gone too far. You haven't gone too far. Jesus will accept you wherever you are. The Bible teaches that he's coming again. And with his coming, he brings hope for that future. But not only does he have hope for you for the future, he has hope for you today. Do you desire to embrace that hope? Do you want to be filled with that hope? Do you want to know Jesus more and have him draw near to you as you draw near to him? Let's pray right now and ask the Lord to give us that hope. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. We are thankful that the second coming of Jesus will be a literal, visible, audible, glorious, climactic, and joyous event. Oh, Heavenly Father, I want to pray for the people viewing this program. Maybe they don't have much joy in their life right now. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe their joy is not full. Today, there are many hearts longing to embrace you fully. And so right now, Lord, I pray that you would give each of these individuals hope and that they would embrace that hope fully, that they would come into a relationship with your son Jesus fully. And through that hope, they would have faith in him and have joy in their life. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. My dear friend, if you've made a choice today to follow Jesus all the way and you want to embrace the hope he offers fully, I'm going to invite you, leave a comment in the chat section. Say, I embrace the hope that Jesus offers. But maybe you're looking for something more, something a bit deeper. I want to invite you to go to our website, www.awr.org forward slash Bible. And there, there, my dear friends, I want you to make sure to connect with us. Click on ask a question and there you can ask a question because maybe you're wondering, how do I get to know Jesus more? We have ample opportunities for you to come to know Jesus more. Maybe you wanna be a part of a smaller group study. There's an opportunity right there on that website. But friend, today is the day of salvation. Don't let this day slip away. We want to connect with you. And so, let us know that you've made this decision. Friends, I'm so glad that you've joined us today. And I would invite you to join us again for our next episode of Unlocking the Bible, Digging Deeper. You know, there are many who purport to know the future, but there is only one sure word of prophecy, and that is this book. And together, we'll continue to dig deep in unlocking Bible prophecies, digging deeper. God bless all of you. Remember to hit that subscribe button so you can be notified of videos to come. We'll see you next time. God bless.
I hope you have enjoyed listening to the end time prophetic events. Whether you've never before opened a Bible or have been studying it all your life, you'll gain new insights from this series. By looking at Revelation and Daniel as well as other books of the Bible, you'll find that the Bible itself clearly unlocks the mysteries of Bible prophecies. This will transform what may feel like a confusing book into something clear and understandable. If you want to learn more Bible truth or ask a Bible question, or perhaps find freedom, healing, and hope in Jesus, please give us a call. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two four zero two 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 zero seven seven seven. We are certain that you'll gain a deeper understanding of Jesus' love for you and emerge with an even closer relationship with Him. For more information, visit us on the web at bible.awr.org or send us an email at bible.awr.org.
Yeah.